0: Well, uh, let's pray and we'll get started. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified. And most importantly, that um, your truth would be presented in a way that they understand this morning. That's all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let me start my timer because I was told a specific time and I don't want to go over. <laughs> so I want to honor his time also. So, all right, here we go. So as I look at y'all this morning in your cap and gown, It just reminds me of 11 years ago, I was sitting where y'all are now, and it got me thinking about some stories from my high school career, the fun times at the lake and on the beach or on the boat, the occasional embarrassing moments, and of course, the what was I thinking? Really, why did I ever do that? As your high school career, you have stories that have made it up. You have um, summers and spring breaks at the beach, you have early morning Late evening times in the deer stand, you have dance recitals. you have football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, any other type of ball games that you could have gone to. You got your exams that you don't have to deal with anymore. You had your, of course, late night, early morning, um, last minute studying for these exams this past week or so. And... Um, those stories have made up your high school career well all these stories have made up your high school career but within these stories There was always an overarching central story. And that story is how you got to this point, how you got your high school diploma. Um, The Bible is like this as well. There are many stories within the Bible that are pointing towards its overarching main story. And in these next few moments together, I want to share with you the main story told in the Bible. I just have one point this morning. This is it. The story has already started. But you will determine how it ends. Genesis chapter one, verse one says this. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is the main character of the story. He is the author of life. Creation is this because God called it into being. John chapter 1 verse 3 says, All things were created through him, and apart from him, not was one thing created that has been created. God is all-powerful. God is ruler. He is sovereign. He is Lord. Um, In Psalms 147, it says this, He counts the stars, the numbers of the stars, and He gives them names to all. Our Lord is great, vast in power. His understanding is infinite. The highlight... Of all of God's creation is man and woman. We are the only thing that God created in his image. You are the only thing that exists in this world that God created in his image. According to Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through 27. In God's creation, it was good. And it functioned as he planned it in the beginning. Genesis 1 verse 31 says this, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Everything God created worked together perfectly, just as it was supposed to. There was no suffering, there was no pain, there was no death. There was complete love, acceptance, and intimacy between God and man, between Adam and Eve, and throughout creation. Well, you don't have to live very long to see that's not the case anymore. You can recognize things don't match up to what I just described in Genesis chapter 1. Things don't work together perfectly anymore. There is no avoiding pain. There's no avoiding suffering, sickness, or death. So what went wrong? Why are we in this state? Well, it's simple. God gave Adam and Eve um, the freedom to make decisions In his creation. He put them in a garden and said you can do whatever you want to. But I just give you this one simple rule. And that was this. Not to eat fruit from a certain tree. Genesis chapter 2 verses 16 through 17 says this. And the Lord commanded the man. You are free to eat from any tree of the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For on that day you will eat it. And you will certainly die. In the garden Adam and Eve had unlimited Opportunities for obedience and just one opportunity for disobedience. Well, one day, God's enemy, a fallen angel named Satan, wanted to overthrow God. So he took the form of a snake and lied to Adam and Eve. He deceived them into thinking that this, and he deceives us also in this way. God was not good and did not have their best interests in mind. As a result, they knowingly and willingly disobeyed God. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. Then the woman saw that the tree was good and the food and delightful to look at and it was desirable for attaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. In rebellion, Adam and Eve ate fruit. The one thing that God said not to do, they chose to do. Um, Deciding that they... Not God knew what was best for them. The consequences is Adam and Eve rebellion was the most tragic event in all of human history. The consequences of their actions are seen now. It's destructive. Like a virus, sin entered into all creation and into the hearts of Adam and Eve. Sin suffer, suffering, pain were passed down from generation to generation. You don't know a life without suffering and without pain. Um... We all read of stories of war, poverty, tragedy, natural disasters taking place. All of this happened because sin entered into the world. Adam and Eve's willingness to sin changed their relationship with God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it says, "...the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid themselves from the Lord God among the tree of the garden." Adam and Eve's sin affected creation as well. Um, once, what was once a perfect garden producing fruit and beauty now start producing weeds and thorns instead. You can ask any farmer in here that it is easy to grow weeds and hard to grow food. That is an effect of sin. Romans 8 shares of how creation is cursed because of sin and how they long to be rescued. Um, Sin affected Adam and Eve's um, personally. Sin infection that begun in Adam and Eve has been passed down throughout the bloodline of humanity. You are a sinner. You have a sin nature because your parents have a sin nature, and they pass it down. Um, Bloodline resulted in physical death. All of humanity is fallen at the core of our being. In our spirit, everyone is born a sinner. You are a sinner according to God's will. Not my words, but God's word. Listen to these verses from Genesis or Romans chapter 3. Verse 10 says, None is righteous, no not one. Verse 19, The entire world is guilty before God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sh- sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is doing anything that God has told you not to do. You have sinned. I have sinned. And your sin separates you from God causing a gigantic need. Unless your sin problem is solved, graduates, you will be separated from God permanently for eternity, according to God's word. You must somehow be reconciled to your creator or suffer eternal separation and punishment from God, which is called hell. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to present the truth in God's words. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. So the question is, can anything be done is their hope because it all looks doom and gloom right this second and despite your most valiant efforts not one of you is powerful enough to reverse sins curse on yourself or on creation but the good news is this that we don't have to fix it ourselves God promised Adam and Eve that one of their descendants would someday rescue man from sin over the next century God prepared the way for his person who would become the savior of the world uh, uh, exact details of his birth, life, and death were recorded in the Bible many centuries before his coming. God promised that a rescuer would restore what has been taken away and lost because of sin. And that promise was kept. God pro- God's promised rescuer simply was God himself. God being human in the person of Jesus Christ almost 2,000 years ago, fulfilled all the predictions found in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Jesus' birth was miraculous since his mother was a virgin. um, His life was unique. He never sinned. His death was a sacrifice that rescued you from sin and from Satan. He willingly, obediently, and sufficiently died an agonizing death on a cross for the sins of all mankind in the greatest display of mercy and love that the world has ever seen. The perfectly innocent died for you and for me that were hopeless. He died to rescue us. We couldn't do anything. You can't do anything. Listen to what the scripture says. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered for sin once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. Galatians 1 4 says, Jesus gave himself for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from the evil world. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and he and we are healed by his wounds. Jesus died for your sins, And the grave couldn't hold him. Three days later, Jesus emerged from his tomb, fulfilling his earthly mission to defeat sin on the cross and defeated death by rising from the dead, as God promised Adam and Eve. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus Christ, you might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is the door, graduates in church, that leads to rescue from all that has gone terribly wrong because of sin. Only Jesus, only Jesus can make you right. Only Jesus can rescue you. You can experience rescue from sin by repenting. According to Jesus's own words in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, repenting is simply turning away from sin, hating it, and resolving by God's strength to forsake it as you turn to him in faith. That's why you're repenting. You put your faith in Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter two, and Jesus Christ is your rescuer. Meaning, instead of believing that you can rescue yourself from the consequences of sin, you transfer your trust to Him. And lastly, and most importantly, that you that you that you are proving your faith in Jesus Christ by following Him in your actions, and your deeds, and your lifestyle. Listen to this. If you don't listen to anything else, belief in God is not enough to save you. According to James chapter 2, it says you have to have works that prove your faith. This quarter is worthless if it is only one-sided. Faith and demonstration of your faith and actions represent both sides of this quarter. Faith is here, heads, and your actions are here, tails. If you don't have faith in works according to God's God's word, not my word, it doesn't say that you're living a Christian life. Faith with works that prove your faith is required. Look it up in the scripture. It's there. It's not hurt. Belief is not enough. Belief in God is not enough to be rescued from your sins and consequences. Repentance, faith, and action are required according to the Bible. For all those who trust in Jesus Christ alone, God has also promised he will make all things new. The new heaven, the new earth will completely free will be completely free of sin and selfishness, a place of perfect friendship with God, with others, and all creation. No more shattering, earthquakes, devastating tsunamis, violent storms will ever plague the earth again. Everything will be restored to the way it was meant to be. The earth will once again be the perfect home God attended for his creation. God's original purpose will flourish as those who trust in his rescue will enter into the grand purpose of worshiping him by loving him, serving him, and enjoying relationship with him forever. And for the most wonderful part of this new world is that God will be with us forever. Experiencing complete joy, we will be restored to a perfect relationship with the one who created, loved, and loved. And died for us and for you. Listen listen to Revelation chapter 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Look, God's dwelling is with man. And he will live with them. And he will be his people. And God himself will be with them. And be their God. He will wipe away Tears from their eyes. Death will exist no longer. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer. Because the previous things have passed away. And the very best part of this new heaven and new earth is this. That we will be able to see the one who rescued us face to face. We will be able to see our Savior face to face. Something we have not been able to experience. Well... The story can only end this way, if you uh, repent of your sins, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, and you demonstrate that faith through your deeds. If you have done this personally, graduates, then I charge you with this. Go and tell this story. It is the greatest story. It's the most uh, needed story to be told. Go and tell it. But if you have not... I ask you this morning and I challenge you this morning to consider what the scriptures have said and what I have shared with you and to make a decision to be rescued from your sins through Jesus Christ. You cannot rescue yourself. My goal this morning was not to scare you or rob you of something. This is not your normal graduation message, but it's what I felt led by the Lord to share with you. But simply to share the truth as told in God's Word. Here it is. The story has started, and only you can determine your ending.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Lee. And uh, I didn't mean about the 15 minutes completely. And uh, Lee, you said you graduated 11 years ago. As I looked, at Lee come up here and he had, what do you call that, the notebook? iPad. iPad. Now, see, I don't, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I graduated 42 years ago, so I've got y'all a legal pad. <laughs> and I saw, and I'm not making fun. I, I, I really appreciate all the new technology. And I could see Lee, he was doing that to get to the next page. And I've got to lift mine up and sit it over here. So, but... We, are, we both have the same message to you, and that is that God loves you, and he's got a wonderful plan for you if you choose to allow that plan to happen. I want to read one verse of scriptures from 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. At the 8.30 service this morning, we, we were looking at this. This is out of one of the historical books in the Old Testament. And so often we think that, well, if it's the Old Testament, it doesn't have any relevance to the day. But, folks, it does. And, and in 1 Chronicles chapters 1 through 9, um, the the historian tells us about the life of Solomon. Solomon was one of the greatest kings that ever lived. He was one of the most famous, one of the wisest, and probably, if not the most wealthy He was one of the most wealthy kings that ever lived. But in 2 Chronicles Chronicles chapter 1, there is an experience that Solomon has with God. And I just want to read this one verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 7. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. Ask what I shall give you. Today, as your church family, we want this service number one, to honor you, number two, to encourage you, and number three, to show our continued interest in your life and in your future, because we're not saying goodbye to you, I hope. As you graduate from high school, we want to honor you for the hard work and achievements that you've accomplished in these last 12 or 13 years. We encourage you to thank those who played a part in your education up to this point. And I want you for just a moment to think about all those folks that have helped you. And some are obvious, some you might have forgotten about. First of all, your parents and grandparents. Uh, They have encouraged you. Perhaps at times you feel like they've even forced you to complete high school. If not today, one day, I believe that you will truly realize what they've done for you, and you'll thank them for it. Now, I don't mean that you're not thankful now, but I'm just saying I think when you get a little bit older, life takes on a whole lot different perspective. Thank also your teachers, the administrators, the counselors, the coaches who have used their training and their talents to teach and to guide you. Go back and think about and I, all of you guys got a car and so saying thank the bus drivers might sound silly, but you remember those days when you drove the school bus? I want y'all to know that I wore my my school bus tie today, okay? To remind you you think about think about those those first years in school and you were so scared and intimidated. Who was the first contact with school for you? It was the bus driver. I can remember seeing my girls get on and off the bus, and and they couldn't stop and get up and welcome the kids onto the bus, but I can still see them stepping up into that bus and the driver hugging them. That, to me, was a picture that expressed how much they loved those children. I think about the aides, the custodians. Think about the folks that kept the school reasonably clean. The cafeteria workers, because all of you love that cafeteria food. All those folks that spent time And SRO—if I got that right—is that Special Resources Officer? Is that what that stands for? Is that—is that right? You know, I would have never thought. i, I but remember it's forty-two years ago. They didn't have SROs back then. Uh, they had BATS. You remember those bats that you ate—the little candy? Never mind. I won't go there. And also, uh, think about the taxpayers of Person County, North Carolina, because, and that included your mom and dad. (laughs) I hate to tell you this, but you guys are going to become a part of that group pretty soon, all right? But my point is this. Your education has come as a result of many people helping you, and many of them were behind the scenes of your life. As you accept your diploma, some of you have already accepted it, but as you accept your diploma, do so with pride and with humility. Do it with pride, first of all, because you have worked hard. You've stuck it out. You put up with a lot of stuff and a lot of people that you probably didn't like or understand. But also accept your diploma with humility, because in many ways your education is just beginning. The school of life is before you. Many decisions will have to be made. Many mistakes will have to be overcome. And I can promise you that you'll make them because, as Lee has shared, that's part of being a human being. As you go off to college, as you begin your careers, and some of you will do both of these together. Some of you will be working and going to school at the same time. Perhaps some of you will enter the military. But as you go, you must depend more on yourself and less on others. Your mom and dad and grandparents probably won't be there to wake you up and make you get up and prepare your breakfast and welcome you home at the end of the day and encourage you to do your schoolwork. And I know in a lot of ways, doesn't that make you happy? But folks, they're they're not going to be there to prepare you for the next day. They're not going to be there to beg you to get off the phone, the computer, and go to bed and get some sleep. But folks... Today, as Lee has done, I want to encourage you to understand that there is available to your life a supernatural source, and that is Jesus Christ. And it is a decision that you make to open your heart and your life to his presence and to become submissive to his will. Jesus will go with you wherever you go if you allow him. And Jesus will take your life to a higher level and... And a deeper fulfillment than you can ever imagine. In John 10.10, and I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible, Jesus said, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. And at the point in time where you are, I'm sure that you're thinking, I'm saying that just because I'm a preacher. I'm telling you that because that is just absolutely the truth. Jesus will take your life to a higher level and a deeper fulfillment. So today, there's one verse of Scripture I want to share with you, and for a few moments, give you details of this verse, and then some words of encouragement and a word of challenge. Again, let me read this verse, Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. The background of this verse is this. It was a pivotal moment in the life of Solomon. Most Bible scholars believe that Solomon was around 20 years old. King David, his father, had died, and God had chosen to have Solomon succeed his father as king of one of the greatest nations on the earth. As Solomon became king, he made several important decisions. First of all, he recognized that he was not wise enough and experienced enough and gifted within himself to become king. Matter of fact, if you read this passage of Scripture in a parallel passage, 1 Kings uh, 3, David Solomon acknowledges that he is but a youth, and he is inexperienced. Let me tell you some things that he did. If you read the first six verses in chapter 1 of 2 Chronicles, first of all, he gathered the leaders together. As he was going to become king, he gathered leaders together. And you know what they did? They worshipped God. They went to a town called Bethel, and there they worshipped God or excuse me, they went to Gibeon, and there they worshipped God. Folks, they acknowledged that there was one true God who had blessed them and kept them in his care. Secondly, they consecrated themselves to God and sought to be submissive to his will. And again, I'm not saying this just because I'm a preacher today, but I hope and pray, first of all, that you will gather around you godly friends who will help shape and form your life. Many of you, again, will go off to college, if not this year, within a couple of years. Some of you are going to PCC. Some of you are going on to college campuses. I hope you'll find Christian organizations there. And I want to tell you something. There are Christians everywhere. There are people that love God and fear God and want to be in the center of his will and want to be a positive influence on the lives of others. Ask God to give you Christian friends. And also, don't be a stranger to worship, whether it is corporate In a church setting or whether it is in your private devotionals, don't be a stranger to worship. And most of all, be submissive to the will of God. You are a very special creation of God. You've been hearing that all of your life, but folks, that is absolutely the truth. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And folks, choosing the right friends, being a person of worship, being submissive to God's will prepared Solomon's heart to hearing these words from God. Ask what I shall give you. Now let me ask you something. If God came up to you and said, what do you want me to give you? What would you say? I think I've told this a number of weeks ago. I was going to Durham one day, and I stopped at one of the uh, minute marks or convenience stores to give me a drink and pack of nabs. Um and and i didn't I didn't realize that that week they were going to have a drawing. I think the lottery was going to be between two and three hundred million dollars and, and And there were all these people in front of me, and I thought, "Man, you know the only reason you stop here is to get drinks and nabs and I didn't see any drinks and nabs in their hand, but I kept seeing this lady go to this roller thing and pull out these things and Then I heard this one lady she grabbed a hold to her lottery ticket, and she said, "And in Jesus name, I want to win the lottery." and I thought, ma'am." I didn't say anything to her, and I I thought, are you asking God to help you win the lottery? Because, you know, there's a whole lot more valuable things that God can give you than the lottery. And there really is. And um, I'm not trying to be ugly now. Listen, because God is your creator and sustainer, because God loves you, and God's Son gave himself up for you because God has a divine plan for his life. God wants to ask you this question. What shall I give you? But folks, before you answer that question, let me point out what God has already given you. First of all, he's given you Christian parents and families that have sought to lead you to Christ by raising you in a church. Secondly, he's given you the opportunity to hear the gospel, the good news, and again, I wanna, as Leah shared, I want to condense this. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived, he taught, he ministered, he died on the cross for everyone. He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day. He ascended back into heaven and will one day come again on the day that the Father has appointed, not a day that, that a preacher predicts. It's going to be at a time in which the Father has appointed. God also has given you his word. please, please. Allow God to feed your spiritual soul through his word. God has given you the opportunity to pray. And prayer is a relationship with him that he wants to be personal and he wants to be growing. And God has given you Christian friends who love you and want you to succeed in following God's will for your life. So with all these things that God has already given you, what will you ask for? Well, look at what Solomon asked for. Let me read these verses, verse 8, 9, and 10. And Solomon said to God, Thou hast shown great mercy, great and steadfast love to David my father, and hast made me king in his stead. O Lord God, let thy promise to David my father now be fulfilled, for thou hast made me king over a people as many as the dust of the earth. First of all, Solomon acknowledged that God had loved him in the past, And God had given him a great task. So then Solomon answers God's question. Give me wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people, for he who can for who can rule this people that is so great. Listen to this. He asked for wisdom, that means discernment and judgment. He asked for knowledge, practical know-how and everyday affairs. But listen to this. God always gives us more than we ask for. Have you ever noticed that about God? Listen to verse 11 and 12. God answered Solomon, "...because this was in your heart, and you have not asked possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may rule my people over whom I have made you king." Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I'll also give you riches, possessions, honor such as none of the kings had who were before you and none after you shall have the like. Folks, God answered Solomon's prayer many, many fold. And Solomon went on to become one of the richest and wealthiest and wisest men that's ever lived on the earth. Here's my point. At this pivotal point in your life, trust Christ as your Savior and Lord. Surrender your life to him. And remember the words of Solomon in Proverbs 1-7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And remember the words of our Lord in Matthew six thirty three: But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Today, in just a moment... We're going to have a time of prayer for you, the graduates. We pray for you that Christ will lead you and bless your life, your education, and your career. That Christ will give you good health and a long life. And Tyler, that he'll make you make a hole in one as you play golf. I'm joking. I I hope he will, though, all right? That Christ will give you a Christian spouse and Christian home if you choose to marry and have children. That Christ will give you a spirit of gratitude and humility. And that when obstacles, whether they are personal, physical, or emotional, come into your life, that Christ will give you that power to know that he walks with you every step of the way. May God bless you as you graduate. And may your future be so bright. There's an old song in my hippie days, may your future be so bright you have to wear sunshades. All right. (laughs) Would you guys come and just stand at the altar one more time? You can leave your caps in the chair. I'm going to have a prayer for these graduates, uh, and that'll be the close of our service. But graduate, we're not trying to embarrass you, but we want you to stand down here at the front. Let people come by and shake your hand. I bet a bunch of them are going to want to hug you and just let you know how special you are to all of us. And folks, as you sit out there in the congregation, I'm going to give us a few moments of silent prayer. Would you pray for your graduate? Would you pray, if you don't have any young people that are graduating this year, would you pray for one of these young folks or more? How many of you want? Would you just ask God to just pour his blessings out upon them? Let's pray together. Lord, as these young people stand before us, may they know that they stand in your presence too. Thank you, Father, that even their conception in their mother's womb was in your plan. Thank you that they have worked hard through school and now they come to the point of graduation. I thank you, Lord, for the many plans that they have And I pray that you'll bless and lead and direct in all of those plans. I pray that you will give them a circle of friends that will encourage them to follow you. And I pray that their relationship with you will grow throughout the years ahead. Father, I do pray for Cameron and for Emily and Taylor and Michael and Ashley and for Audrey, and for Andrea, for Tyler, each one of these young people, Lord, that are graduating. Please watch over them, keep them safe. May they know not only that their family loves them, but their church family too. And again, Father, I pray that they'll hear you say to them often, ask what I shall give you. Bless them, keep them in your care. Bless their lives and all that they do. In all these prayers we ask, in Jesus' name, amen.